Thank you for listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast. For early access to new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive access to the Sultry Soundbites, the Kinky Community Discord channel, and more sexy bonuses, sign up at patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. That's patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. This episode of the Kinky Conversations podcast is brought to you by Honey Playbox. At Honey Playbox, we believe that pleasure should be fun and fabulous for everyone. Our belief centers on how pleasure, play, health, and accessibility are necessary for positive sexual experiences. We hope more people feel inspired to explore desires without shame. And that's why we keep our toys affordable to let more people access sexual pleasure. You can get 20% off store-wide at honeyplaybox.com when you use the referral code KINKY at checkout. Mm. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Avery, an 18-year-old from the United States who's self-employed, who's into art, poetry, baking, and cooking. Today's episode is a mini podcast episode, about 30 minutes long, but it was full of deep and insightful conversations. Avery shares how she got into the BDSM scene at quite a young age and is using it as a way to heal from past trauma. So there's a bit of a trigger warning for this podcast. She has a strong drive to be welcoming and accepting and understanding of all members, both vanilla and extreme, into the community. She espouses the need to obtain consent and communicate your understanding and connection and your boundaries. We talk about how she has used BDSM as a way to reconnect to her body and to her mind post-trauma, as well as, importantly, to be able to reclaim the word no. Being able to say no or learning how to say no through BDSM in a loving, connected, compassionate way has helped her to be able to say no in all aspects of her life. Like I said, This was just a quick episode, but I hope to be able to do a part two with her at a later stage to go deeper into the discussion. This was an amazing conversation, and I know you're going to get a lot from it. And remember, stay tuned until the end of the episode, and I'll play you a part from the book, Kink, Volume 1. But without further ado, here's Avery. Well, hello, Avery. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on board the co- on board the podcast. I appreciate yes. you taking the time to chat. Um, you reached out to me with a request to jump on board, and we were chatting a little bit. And I've got a, there's a little bit of an interesting um, backstory or stuff that you can perhaps share. You're only 18, correct? Yes. Correct. And you you, you mentioned to me that you've um, been into the scene, uh, BDSM and the like for quite some time. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get straight into the, um, into the nitty gritty on that one and yeah, talk about, talk, 
<laughs> if, if I can share something, I actually yes, on Discord, if you know what app that is, I own a sex server, and um, okay. I've been part of the BDSM community since I was like eleven or twelve. I know that's young, but I feel like it's pretty eye opening and it's pretty weird. Um, but like seeing you, it just felt like honestly the perfect opportunity. I was talking to my boyfriend about it because he's also part of the BDSM community. How I feel like the BDSM community doesn't always need to be physical or just sex. And it can really just be used as like a venting or an outlet to be able to heal from trauma. And I feel like that's how it has been for me. And I'm sorry, I'm just ranting right now. If it's like do. I ever just talk. Um, interrupt me with questions if you have them. Um, but if I'm being honest, I've been abused before. I've been sexually harassed and I've had a lot of issues in my life, especially growing up. And I feel like finding the BDSM community, especially at such a young age, I was interested in a lot of these things and I wasn't even physically in the BDSM scene, you know what I mean? I was only interests. And oh, I've had so many people tell me like, how do you know you're into those things if you've never physically tried them? And I'm like, I'm like telling them like, it's an interest. It doesn't need to be physical. If it feels like you're interested in something and then once you figure it out when you try it, then that can eventually differ or change. And it's also helped me to find my comfort level and figure out consent with myself, personal consent with myself. It's helped me figure out my wants and my needs and my requirements and where my boundaries stand as a woman and as a person and as an individual, not just with a partner. Especially with communication, because I've been really, really crappy with communication throughout my life. And it's really healed, helped me heal from a lot of things and figure out how to communicate about my wants and my needs. I I would like to, yeah, what you're describing of BDSM being healing and sort of, you know, beyond the physical is something that almost every guest is talking about. And, you know, you, you've, you've, and we'll, we'll get into all of this because I've got a lot of questions down these paths um, for you. But so many people will use BDSM as a way to reclaim themselves after trauma, you know, as a way to reclaim their bodies, a way to reclaim their ability to consent, or the way to, to reclaim certain actions and behaviors and that sort of stuff. So that's exceptionally common. And I, I, I sort of had that sort of intuitive feeling that we'd be going down this path from this discussion. Um, I want to get into it. You said you've, you you sort of were into the scene from quite a young age um, and like 11 or 12 does, does is quite young for me. That's like the start of high school, Um, maybe a touch earlier. If you don't mind, like, can you, can you get into sort of the how and the why of that? Like what, what, um, what brought you down that path? Because obviously we're going to get fairly heavy with this, with this chat, I feel. That's okay. Um, so, so let's 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 dig into it because um, I think there's there's a lot of worthwhile information that other people, young and old, will be able to glean from it. My I'm I'm adopted, and my my uh, adopted mother knows that I'm a BDSM scene, um, and I feel like I started at such a young age because I think around um, I think thirteen or fourteen I had a bad reputation, and also because I was just dealing with so much. Um, I think I was sexually harassed when I was 13 at school and I've hopped from so many people, um, from one person to the next for so many years up until I was almost 17. 
and it leaked into my adulthood a little bit when I first turned 18, March 2nd. And it's really helped me to find myself again because even though I started at such a young age, and I know that's like kind of alarming to a lot of people, um, honestly, yeah, I always thought like, I'm a vanilla person. And now I look back at it and it's kind of funny because I'm like, oh god, no. Um, but honestly, it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like I also am a really huge advocate for people in the Buddhism community. And I started at such a young age because, um, it was a healing process and it just felt like something in tune and intertwined with also my therapy a little bit because I asked my therapist if this was like normal and she was like we all have our definitions of healing we all have our definitions of processing and hearing her say that made me feel less judged and made me not focus so much on everybody else's opinion because I've had so many people tell me how do you know you're into into those things if you've never tried them before? And like, I always tell my boyfriend when you're first setting up rules and boundaries and a safe word and guidelines and so on and so forth, you know what I mean? Um, we have to learn to sit down and without the sexual touch and be able to communicate and talk through those things because we understand that the things that I may like or he may like can slowly but gradually turn into like dislikes or likes, like it always changes. And I feel like that's something I learned because there's obviously things that I'm not interested into anymore um, that I thought I'd be interested in too. And I feel like it's also helped me mature emotionally and mentally because a lot from my trauma, it's kind of degraded me, not only because of the men around me that I was with, but especially myself because I always downsized myself to be susceptible to those other people. And so being able to be into the BDSM community helped me realize what my worth is and help find consent for myself and what I should and shouldn't be okay with and what I should and shouldn't settle for. Like, mm. and that saying no and using a safe word doesn't make you weak. That does not make you the issue. That does not make you the problem. I still have a lot of issues with vulnerability. Um, I, I apologize for crying because of so much of my trauma. And I always, like, it took me so many years, probably at least three years or four years, to finally be okay with saying the word no and not feel guilty for it. Hmm. Um, or say stop and not be guilty for it. And so I like being in the BDSM community has helped me feel like it doesn't have to be a weak point for those two words to be said. That's beautiful. I, I fully resonate with that. And I appreciate you taking the time with your partner to establish it. And like you're saying, like, I know that I'll be into things before I've tried them. I know that I'll be into things, you know, or I'll, I'll assume. So it's worth, you know, taking that process and going, yeah, like I've, I've not done this, but I'm pretty sure I'll like it. But like you said, it was an interesting point. You said almost along the line of your likes and your limits will change. What you're into now might you might grow to love. You might grow to hate. And it's okay. And you should ha have that dialogue, you know? Unless I can reference growing into a pair of shoes or like growing pins, like growing into a certain height, it's not going to fit at first. And it feels like uncomfortable for a while, possibly. But then eventually it's like a size you'll fit into. It just, just feels like it's like adjusting. It's a form of adjustment. And 
for me, for the longest time, I just, especially my parents being very religious, I'm anti-religious, I'm not religious, um, being what I'm into has always kind of made me feel guilty, like, disgusted as a human being at first, like, it's something I had to hide, but I want to tell people in the BDSM community that there are people out there who will accept you, and that will listen to you, and that will understand you, and it does take a very long time, it's taken me several years, probably up until I was 12, I was trying to find my own people, um, and I didn't realize that BDSM isn't just BDSM, it is a community of just so many other people out there. And I've had a lot of other people say that, especially there are, um, like I was, like, I feel like I've had some people tell me that the vanilla people don't belong in the BDSM community because they're not kinky enough. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's always been an issue for me. But I have some vanilla people in my server. And I'm like, I love them. They're soft. Like, you know what I mean, that term. Um, and I love it because it shows you the gentler side of BDSM. It doesn't always need to be hardcore. And I just love, like, the fact that, that like, not only do they accept you, but there's, like, it's a whole community. They all accept you. It takes them some time to come around to those people who accept you faster. But there are people that need to come around for you. Just like, say your family. Your family has certain things that they need to come around for you. It takes time and it takes adjustment. Well, like, the, the, I, I view sort of BDSM as, BDSM as a spectrum, right? You might be yeah. into extreme stuff or very light stuff, but what is normal, right? Like, what's, the, what's, what's, what, what counts as vanilla? What counts as not vanilla? It's all a, it's all on a spectrum. So the people that are more vanilla but accepting of everyone are just as part of the community as everyone else. It's the ones yeah. that are will shun or judge or demean or degrade that That's probably why shouldn't, like advocating shouldn't be for them there. Because mm. they're always pushed to the side and I'm like, just because you like playing missionary. Mike, you like we all like sex. That's the only thing we have in common. That's the one thing we have in common. I'm like, I'm not going to shake it to the side. I'm like, if you just like one plain thing, I don't give two shits. I'm into mm. probably 30 plus things right now, and you're probably into three things. I could give, I could give less fucks. Am I going to like, not only is it like, there are different things you can relate to with vanilla people because I feel like, not only is it like not just interests, but it's sometimes that like sexual feeling. Sometimes you guys can relate on like how it feels, how it makes you feel. It doesn't just have to be like on just like either a position or a thing that you're into. It can be like a feeling, which is why it is formed as a connection. I, I, I feel you, and that's and that's so much more. It's so much more more beyond just the sex, beyond just the physicality. There's more to it. It's and like I love a spiritual it. That's soul based connecting with my boyfriend because like I always tell him like sitting down and like not having to like touch each other like just sitting down and just like being able to pause like there has been moments where we'd stop in the middle of like you know doing it and he would ask because I'm I'm still healing I've cried a couple times at first um you know having sex with him um because um if I can share a moment real quick we were um together and he touched my left thigh 
And I think that was like a trauma trigger for me because I don't even let my family touch me anymore because of trauma. And I started crying and he just paused and he looked at me and just told me it was okay. And he wanted to sat, sit down and he sat down and we just talked about boundaries and that he's not judging me and that he loves me for who I am. And that this doesn't make me weak. This is just a healing point because I told him not to touch me there. Um, and that he asked first, obviously. Um, just some certain pressure points, like we were working with pressure, which is how we built up to being able to be open to the aspect of pain in the BDSM community. Um, and that's why the healing aspect comes in is because just because they're your partner doesn't mean that everything is automatically okay. Like yeah. asking first. That's a, very, that's a very good point. Just because they're your partner doesn't mean that you've given total yeah. access to absolutely everything. It's a discussion. Yeah. I like and that. I yes. like, love that because like, it's so simple, but he doesn't realize, like he realizes it, but I always acknowledge it. Like, like just as simple as like afterwards, after we, after care and cleaning up, he would always ask, does me and him get like hungry after we're done? And like, he would always make sure I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I'm okay. And it would just be simple as me just touching his face and looking at him and just simply saying thank you. And he knows what it means. Like, thank you for respecting my body. Thank you for understanding, like, even some nights when we don't want to have sex, there are times where we would just simply just touch each other and just be open to each other and just, you know, like the innocent aspects about that. like. Which is why I love how being in the BDSM community it's helped me to build consent. Which is why I said that because their partner doesn't mean they're, they're automatically it makes everything okay. Being able to ask before doing something, be able to ask before touching you, be able to ask, does this hurt you? Does this bother you? Um, like it's as simple as a yes or a no. And I just, I feel bad because I've heard a lot of women who have not met the right person or just because they've had a dom before and they've known them for a very long time, not even just dominants, but masters, misters, anything. Um, even if they're switches, anything, you know what I mean? Um, they've, I've had a woman who told me that she's known him for a very, very long time. And immediately like he's, he likes eventually switched up on her because he was like thinking oh because we've known each other for a long time this makes certain things okay i'm like Mm. that's not how things work how do you how do you broach the the potential awkwardness that comes from saying no from employing the safe word from having those conversations because like you said like Maybe it's a trigger response. Maybe it's just a plain like lack of interest. Maybe it's a, a pain tolerance thing. Maybe it's a, a physical revulsion. Whatever, whatever the the reason is for saying no. Um, like I can speak to my own traumas and that sort of stuff. And there's things that do trigger me, but there's things that you just don't want. So how do you how do you take that step into sort of processing through the awkward conversations? Because I believe that having the awkward conversation is important. Um, obviously, to be able to go deep and go go long term and have fun and all of that stuff, but it gets I'm giggly curious to sometimes. How you process. It gets giggly. <laughs> <laughs> like there are some moments. If I'm being honest, I'm I'm an age regressor, so sometimes there are moments um, 
where I'm not in an intricate headspace, but they're like little bursts, you know what I mean? And so we'd okay. have to be having conversations, so I'd be sitting there and I would start laughing. <laughs> and he was like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm <laughs> laughing at. Um, but um, back to that question. I'm sorry, I have horrible memory. Can you ask the question again? That's that's okay. We can we can um diverge into into giggles and other spaces if we need to and come back. Um, dealing with the awkwardness of employing oh, the, the safe word or employing the no, like just pushing through that because you know it's easier to it's easier to say yes, right? Yeah, it's it's it feels like when you first start or if you've got like a, a history of trauma, it's like just say yes and things are okay even though it's very much not okay, right? So how do you how do you how do you get through I say awkwardness, but it could be like a a displeasure, it could be like a visceral like oh, not wanting to be able to say no, but you must. So how do you? Mm, I feel like um I don't really know. I think it just subconsciously figured itself out. I guess it's just a comfort level that like, you know, when you're comfortable to a person physically, it just figures itself out. And so, no, it automatically eventually starts to feel easier. He's also, like, really good at reassuring me because um, he understands I have some issues. Um, and there are times where I don't want to be touched. And so, saying no, I would say, sometimes I would say things like, I'm like, I want to say no, but I don't know how to say no. So, it may sound confusing, but I would say that. So, and then he would ask, well, why don't you want to say no? Or why don't you know how to say no? Or what's stopping you from saying no? Why does it make you feel weird to say no? Simple questions like that, but simple questions that bring big definitions and explanations and answers. And I feel like that's how I got more comfortable with saying the word no. He understands that I don't like saying the word no. I do like saying it. But because it's been so um, raised past past relationships, so being able to have him ask me like, "Well, why does it make you uncomfortable to say no?" Um, I would say simply because it's never been taken to um, what's the word? It's been never taken um, into consideration. It's just such a simple two-letter simple word. And it's so sad, especially hearing how the word no is not taken to consideration so easily. And so I tell him, I'm like, I don't know, it just makes me feel weird in a way. And then he understands and he tries to ease me through it, how no is a simple word. And it could literally just straightforward answer and you can understand. So I guess I guess what I wanted to say with 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 the the saying no with the awkwardness with all of that stuff it needs a a partner that's caring and understanding and it doesn't even have to be a romantic partner like in the medicine community everybody's like does it have to be someone you're in a relationship with i'm like no it can be a friend it can be an an ex if you guys ended on a good note like it can be practically anyone. You just have to be able to communicate. And BDSM communication is major. Consent is major. And like I was telling my friend who wanted to dabble into the BDSM community, I told her like, start with one simple thing, like a goal. 
like start with something soft or slightly vanilla. Like what is something you would like to be interested in or like to go into? And then mm. figure out like how you could get into that. Like first figure out where your comfort level lies, where you don't like to be touched, where it hurts the most to be hit. Um, like, um, and also be able to understand who the other person you're being, um, s- with the other person you're kind of like your partner and mm. being able to understand them and then be- them being able to understand you. How I told her is like, figure out something you would like to try and then figure out like goals with that other person to be able to work yourself up to that point. Don't just jump straight into it. Jumping straight into it can cause certain trauma or it could really mess you up mentally. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me that they've felt a slight mental trauma from jumping head first into the Buddhism community. And I'm like, you don't want to do that. Like, it's a lot more riskier than they think they do. And I really hate those people who are like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I, I always suggest that as well, that you take things slow. Look, I, I realize we're, we're coming up on time. Just a super, super quick little interview today. Um, it sounds like you've got a strong grounding in this space. And maybe when we've got a bit more time together, we can dive into it and talk about your past a little bit more and go a bit deeper. But you're hitting all of the right marks, the the consent, the communication, the healing, the understanding, the slow entry points, like all of these things are things that I'm telling people all the time. You're, it's it's quite um, astounding to, that you have such a solid grounding in this space being so young. It's 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 very um very refreshing to see Especially that. So yeah. One more thing before I have to go. Adding how me and my partner always remind each other, like I am here to work with you. I am not here to work for you. I can't micromanage you. I cannot control you. You are your own person and I am my own person, my individuals. And so we always remind each other, not just sexually, but also in our relationship that I am here to work with you by your side or with you together. I'm not Mm. here to work for you. And so that's like always our number one reminder always and i Mm. feel like everybody should know that you shouldn't have to carry on your shoulders constantly the things that aren't yours to control that's that's so true like work yourself out bring a healing or a healed self to the table be kind to the other person knowing that they're healing and going through stuff and then you're golden right look after yourself but be considerate and kind and respectful of other people like i've had somebody tell me before they're like she was feeling so bad for a bunch of things because she was doing something with a partner and he made her feel bad for it but it was something he was supposed to take ownership for Mm. like i'm like you shouldn't apologize and you shouldn't feel bad for this like you're supposed to work with each other you're not supposed to work for him like he's the one who has to take ownership for things like being able to take ownership is much more easier than you may think it is. Um, especially how, especially I always remind my partner and you remind each other that whatever happens, especially like regarding sex or BDSM, 
whatever happens, especially with bondage or role play or things like that, whatever happens to your partner in a role or a headspace, you are responsible for what happens to them. Mm. And people don't understand that is a lot bigger responsibility to carry, carry, um, to carry on. Like, it's not, it's, it's easy to look at it and go, oh, we're just going to tie each other up. But when you actually take a step back and go, what we're actually doing here is, is like it's, a, it's a trust and yeah. skill. And like, and that's just like, if you're just talking rope play, 100%, but that's with absolutely everything. If you're going to hit someone, have a little bit of understanding of what I you're doing. If you're like going <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to have marks, but just know that the are the marks are coming. Have that discussion. Make sure those marks are going in a place that you're both comfortable with. Do you know what I mean? It's not. It's it's it's, it's communication is key, right? Communication and consent is key. Uh, before we before we uh, jump off the uh, this uh, what should we call it like a flash podcast, <laughs> a mini mini podcast. Um, I do appreciate your time, um, and maybe we can jump back on and go a bit deeper before we um, jump off and finish up. Because um, time time has uh, time has come to pass. This mini podcast. Is there anything you want to want to end with? But regardless, thank you for jumping on board. You know, like I said, don't work for each other. You have to work with each other, and that communication, consent, and boundaries and understanding is key. And that just everybody is accepted in the BSM community regardless of whether you're vanilla or not like it really doesn't matter in that BDSM doesn't always have to be sex it can literally just be an understanding of interests and communication and feelings and connection and just because you're interested in something and you haven't done it yet doesn't mean you have to physically do it in order to know you're into it if you're like literally know or feel like you're interested into it then you're interested into it. It's validated. Wonderful. I think that's a great note to end it on. Thank you so much for jumping on board the podcast. We'll chat again, okay? Thank you. Super special thank you for Avery for jumping onto the podcast. Like I said, this one was just a quick episode as we both had stuff that we had to do. So we thought we'd do a little quick chat. One of the things that stood out to me in this conversation was the reclamation of the word no the importance of learning how to say no post-trauma. You know, BDSM, I've discovered through conversations on this podcast and elsewhere, is not primarily sexual. I actually think it's more spiritual, cognitive, connection, relationship-based. Communication is key. Talking is key. Healing is key. So in Avery's case, she's using it as a way to reclaim past trauma and heal and that's beautiful and particularly with the word no with being able to say i don't want that then being able to express what you are and are not comfortable with i just want to highlight one point that stood out to me she said just because about just because you're with a partner doesn't mean that they can do anything they want to you and i think that's important to realize consent must be given in all contexts, even if you've been with someone for years. So thank you, Avery, for jumping on board, and hopefully we can have another conversation soon. If you enjoy the Kinky Conversations podcast and you want to support it, there's a couple of ways you can do it. First up, rate and review. Let people know about it. Share it. That way more people are going to discover awesome, amazing people and resources that will help them. You could also grab a copy of the book, Kink, Volume 1, 
It's a collection of BDSM and kinky inspired fiction and poetry. The ebook is only a couple of bucks, and I narrate the audiobook. You could jump on board the Patreon. Patreon supporters on the $5 tier get early access to all episodes, as well as a bunch of exclusive and early access benefits beyond that. You could also consider shopping on honeyplaybox.com. You'll get 20% off their already low prices, store-wide, with the coupon code KINKY at checkout. And finally, you could consider taking the course An Introduction to Kink, BDSM, Polyamory, and Other Fun Things. It's out now, and people are absolutely loving it. If you're looking for an intro into the scene, if you're looking to grow and learn, if you're looking for a summary of everything you should know to play safe, this is the course for you. Links to that and everything else in the show notes. So without further ado, here's a piece from the book, Kink, Volume 1. Have a great day. Submissive. A lip bite. I'm winking. Hips swaying. Got you thinking. A coy smile. That certain look. Your intentions. Read like a book. Stepping close. Pushing you away. Just to tease you. I like to play. I'm yours. If you contain me. But I'm a brat. You may have to contain me. Pull my hair. Grab me tight. Say the word. Have me tonight. Please share what title you prefer. Master, my dom, perhaps just sir. Learn my limits. Push with care. I trust you totally to take me there.
You've been listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast.